I'm lucky to doing this for 12 years, but I want to win. Everything I do, I want to win. The Monaco Grand Prix, the jewel in Formula One's crown. A lap through the Principality streets is one of the most intense experiences in racing. And exactly 25 years ago, on the day that this episode is released, Monaco was won by a French driver racing for a French team. That man was Olivier Panis, and he is my guest this week. Welcome everybody to Beyond the Grid with me, Tom Clarkson. Particularly for those people who were there, that 1996 Monaco Grand Prix is etched in the memory. The conditions on race day were horrible. There was not only rain, but a grey murk that wouldn't lift and gave the Principality a slightly haunted look. There were other strange details as well. David Coulthard raced in Michael Schumacher's helmet, Damon Hill retired from the lead, and only three cars completed the race distance. And the driver at the front was that man, Olivier Panis. It was Olivier's only win in Formula One, and he remembers it like it was yesterday. As he tells us in this podcast, you won't believe how close he came to not finishing. And he also tells us how the win changed his life. But there's a lot more to Olivier's career than just that win, fabulous though it was. He contested 157 races, scored five podiums, and worked with some of the most famous names in racing. Alain Prost was his boss for three years. He worked with Mika Hakkinen at McLaren, raced alongside Jacques Villeneuve at BAR, and led the Toyota team. Had he not had that leg-breaking accident at the 1997 Canadian Grand Prix, and had he not turned down Williams, yes, true story, who knows what he might have gone on to achieve. Olivier is a fascinating man, and he has a lot to say. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Olivier, it's great to see you. First up, how are you? Where are you living these days? Uh, well, thank you, Tom. I'm very well, thank you. I live in Grenoble and uh, I just arrived at home now. When I say Formula One to you, how much do you stay in touch with it all these days? Do you still watch every race? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I still looking everything by like four or five years ago, even in Japan or somewhere with the jet lag uh, and the, 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 the change time, I wake up like three o'clock in the morning to looking the free practice, uh, <laughs> all this kind of uh, testing. But uh, now if I'm wake up, I do it. If I'm not, not, I'm not useful of this today, but all the Grand Prix, uh, I'm looking. And it seems to me, tell me if I'm wrong, but French motorsport, seems to be in a very good place at the moment, particularly in Formula One, when you think we've got the race back at Paul Ricard, we've got Alpine joining, of course, this year, we've got Pierre Gasly, Esteban Ocon. Is that how you see it? Do you think it's in a, as good a place as it's been in for the last 20 years, almost since you were in Formula One? Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I'm very happy and very, uh, very proud of uh, now we have some very good French drivers because after me for a long time, badly uh, by different situation, we don't have a French driver anymore. Luckily, we have very strong uh, drivers like Gasly. I very love him. I think he's very, very good driver. Ocon, 
I believe also, but he need, you know, is one with one year old is difficult to catch very close uh, type of driver like uh, Ricardo. But I think what he showed was pretty uh, optimistic for the future. Are these things cyclical, or why are there so many good French drivers in Formula One? Is it because French industry, French government? is supporting grassroots motorsport in France? Not really. I mean, the, the Federation do the best to help French drivers, of course. But I think for us, was, was it was the problem, it was when we have a lawyer, lawyer is right. We have the lawyer can sell the cigarette manufacturer and all the alcohol sponsorship. And for French people like me, we have huge support by the brand of cigarette and help a lot of the young drivers. When we have this law, cut everything. In France, it was a disaster, and it take a long time to recover and to find a solution to help the young uh, French driver to come back to Formula One. One thing also help is the, some different academy, like for Pierre Gasly Red Bull. This was pretty uh, successful. But in France, we don't have much anymore. And I think Nicolas Todd did a good job with uh, Charles Leclerc. Okay, he's not French, but, you know, he, he, he managed himself to promote some uh, young uh, drivers. But, you know, it's not enough for sure if the cigarette come back or this kind of big company in France help, like uh, the fuel people, like Total help a lot Romain Grosjean. But we don't have the same support we have by the past, this for sure. At what point in your career did the tobacco money and, and all those other French sponsors get hold of you? For me, there's no point. If I don't have fuel sponsor and the cigarette sponsor, I don't even thinking about doing Formula One. I never be in Formula One, for sure. Without them? Without them, sure not. Even if I have my personal sponsor try to help me the most he can, but with these people, for sure, I'm, not, I'm never going to Formula One one day. Olivier, just describe to me what it was like driving for a French team. You made your debut back in 1994 with Ligier, but a French team, you're a French driver, you had French sponsors. That's a, was it a lot of pressure? How did you feel coming into that first season? To be honest, you know, I was so happy to come to Formula One. I really don't care about this, uh, <laughs> this pressure. <laughs> because my first test in Formula One, before Flavio Berriator by Ligier, I have a contract race per race. I'm going to Brazil. I don't know if I'm going to the next one because the situation of Ligier and this time was financially uh, quite bad. And, uh, but, you know, I was so happy to arrive in Formula One. I don't even thinking, I, don't, I, I, I was don't care about this. I just want to enjoy myself to show for you guys and, and also to our business. And I, I try to doing well. And when Flavio buy the team, he was in May in 1994. He said, I want to keep you. He signed me a contract for two years. And this is just was, a, for me, it was a dream. When you put one foot on the monocoque of Formula One, you just say, wow, I'm here. I need to do my best. And, and that's all. I don't think much about the pressure for my career, really. It probably helped you as a driver. Of course. Of course, because I know where I come from. And I, I was lucky to doing this job. When you have a chance to achieve, you just enjoy. How would you describe your relationship with Flavio? 
I need to be honest with you. For me, he was fantastic boss for me. He was very clear person with the driver. He said, if you do your job, you have your space on this team. If you're not doing your job, I mean, I give you a chance. If, if you don't achieve, it's the life. And even when we make a party for the 20th anniversary of Monaco in Monaco, we have a dinner with Flavio and Mr. Honda and all the people more or less was there 20 years before. And I feel the same people. I feel the same guy. For me, Flavio, he, he was a very clear person. If you're thinking about how this job is hard and demanding a lot, if you don't have the people like him give you the way you need to achieve, Sometimes you you make some mistake. Yeah, it it slightly depended what kind of a character you were. I think whether you got on with Flavio as a driver. Exactly. For me, it was clear with him. We are all the time very open to talk. If I'm not happy, I I go in straight to see him and I say, "Look, we're not enough competitive. We need to push that. You need to push that." The easy way with Flavio is say when even when we have a meeting with the all the board and the technical meeting. He said to all of the, all of us, he said, I don't understand much about motor racing, but just you need to let me know what we need to have to be quick, which machine you need, which people you need. And the, I feel the approach of him, he was pretty like a very good manager. manager and he, he managed to find the right people around him to perform. I have nothing bad to say to Flavio. Sometimes he was rude, strong. But I have more argue more with Tom Walkinshaw to compare to Flavio, to be honest, because he was different personality and Tom, he was really on the fight to take the best of you. Did Tom Walkinshaw talk to you about French rugby as well? Yes, but he, 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 <laughs> he gave me a bad time, Tom. Very a bad time. When I understood this guy and when I met, I know him better. And one day when I won in Monaco, he was not in Niger anymore. He jumped to the motorhome, even if he is not good relationship before he leave with all of them. He don't care. He go to the motorhome to speak to me and he say, you know, I give you the hard time that I believe you need to achieve. He was strong, but he was a pretty uh, good guy. And he was just, but he pushed you hard to your delivery, your best you have. Well, look, you've made a couple of references to Monaco 1996. And I do want to talk to you about that because... You've mentioned the 20th anniversary. Well, this year, Olivier, it's the 25th anniversary. Time is slipping away. Frenchman Olivier Parnis from Lyon leads the Monaco Grand Prix in his Ligier Mugen Honda. And that's, that's Irvine and Salo and Takinen. Oh, my goodness. And I think we're only going to have about four cars finish the Monaco Grand Prix. And Olivier Parnis for Ligier Mugen Honda, a wonderful fillet for the French team and their Japanese engine supplier, exits the Raskas to win the 1996 Monaco Grand Prix. An incredible result. Oh, look at that for joy. Victory for Olivier Parnis and Ligier that nobody could have expected in a Monaco Grand Prix, which, as ever, was full of incident. It has, in fact, been a great day for Formula One. When we talk about that race now, just how do you reflect on it 25 years later? I remember everything I was doing during this race and everything happened in this race because it was completely crazy 
crazy race, really. I mean, starting 14, he started raining, beginning of the start. So many things happen during this race. You don't even know what's going on in the end. And, uh, well, I remember everything, even the people talking to me the 15 last minutes, I don't have enough fuel to going to the finish line, talking to me in Italian, French, English, every language I, uh, the people have we have in the team try to help me to go to the end or even someone to say we need to pit. And we have some big argue during the last 15 minutes, but it was, it was fun. It was funny. It was funny because uh, I know how much this victory was important for the people I work with because it was the survivors of the team, more or less, even for me. Now, a couple of things there. First of all, how much did you back off in those closing laps because of the fuel problem? You don't believe how much. Uh, I, don't, I don't pass the sixth gear anymore. Uh, even uh, during the tunnel, I left off the throttle very, very soon everywhere. And I know David closed the gap to me and it, I push one lap to show him, no, man, uh, you don't pass me anyway. And, and after the race, we talk with David and he said, even if I catch you, I know I have no chance to overtake you. Because this victory is what maybe is the first one I get. And it was the first chance I have to win the race. For sure, nobody overtake me. Or if you want to overtake me, you need to pass over me. Otherwise, there's no chance. <laughs> Did you always love street tracks? Did you always love driving in the wet? Did everything happen for you that day to bring you the victory? Did it play to all of your strengths? Well, I love the street race. I was pretty competitive every time on the street race. I love the wet condition because uh, I love to drive. I love to slide. I love is why maybe after many years I doing the Trophée Andros. I don't know. But anyway, I, I love this condition be because I know sometimes that the driver making a, a small difference, even if, if he don't have the best car. But the Monaco race, this time, on this time, in 1996, I know the car technically we have. I know the car when we have maximum downforce, it was pretty good car. And one week before he was in Nogaro, I prepare uh, Monaco also for the drivability on the engine. I put, you don't imagine how much effort I put to prepare this race because I know my car is, is I was sure was good in Monaco for technical point of view and the engine point of view. I remember the first practice, we on the top four all the time, even my first set of qualifying before the problem happened technically, I was before. I know this car give me something on this race. I don't believe the, the, the victory, to be honest. I need to be honest with you. What did you think was possible when you woke up on race morning from 14th on the grid? What did you think might be on? The point is, uh, during the program when in we have in qualifying, when I saw my Japanese engineer cry because we don't fix the problem and he, he saw all the effort the team put to be good in Monaco, and, you know, I said, don't worry, man, tomorrow we finish on the point just to help them to recover about the deception. Did you really believe that? Yes. To be honest, yes. When I wake up in the morning, I, I, tear, I just uh, opened the windows and I saw the rain. Anne was there. I said to Anne, I finish on the podium today. She laughed at me, to be honest. 
She laughs and he says, Olive, you start 14. I say, I don't care. I feel something today. She laughs and let me go. You know, she let me go. When I did the, the best lap time in the warm-up, everybody's thinking we have low fuel and blah, 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 all the bullshit, you know, all the time the people talking. And I was so confident and so happy with my car. And I know I have the, the, the fuel to, sure, to prepare to start the race with this amount of fuel. And I let the people talk. And I, I know I have something. Uh, I, I have a tool to play today. After that, you need to be lucky like uh, I am. After the race was what the race, but after the warm up, I'm convinced myself I was uh, thinking to do something in this race, and I was convinced even more after the warm up. And what point in the race did you start to think, yes, the win is on here? The first thing is when we start, I was very be careful on the start because it was very wet, and I know the first corner is maybe crashed there. And it was, and I was very uh, be careful. But when the race is uh, going, and when I saw how much confident, uh, how much I feel good with the car, and I start to overtake some people in Monaco uh, on the wet condition, I overtook seven cars, I think, before I pit. I just felt, well, it's maybe happened something. And I just carry on, carry on. And when I said to the, the engineer, I said, look, for me, it's okay for slick tires now. He said, but nobody pit, Olive. I said, well, I feel so confident with the car. I think if we want to gamble, something is now. And just Damon pit in the same time that he was front of me. And he told me, he said, Damon pit. I said, I want to pit now. I want to pit now. He's right. And I pit just in the same time of Damon. And when I go out of the pit, I just go out before. He's already... The dream, the dream come true. We are close to the, the podium, you know what I mean? And after that, because everybody's pit after us, we have the hot tires he don't have. And it's why I managed to overtake uh, Eddie, because when he go out of the pit, he was with cold tires. And I know it was the time I need to overtake him because maybe at the, when the tires of him getting, getting warm, maybe it's not possible for me to overtake him. I need to overtake him very quickly. And it was, I, uh, I try in, the, in loves, but to be honest, I, I try, I touch him and I feel my race is, uh, is gone. I say, well, we crashed, I, I broke something. And when I go him, hit the, the, the tires and I say, I try to manage, I try left and right and everything going well. I say, I'm so, I'm so lucky, but just carry on. And I spoke with the engineer, said, looking the car on the straight line, if you saw something on the noise or whatever. And uh, he told me, no, well, we don't saw something. And I feel the car was so good. I said, well, for one day, maybe lucky. And I just continue to push. And after happen is happen. I, I do the lap record, the lap record. I fighting with uh, Jean Alesi. Before that, I saw the Diamond Hill engine blow up. And I close to span on the oil of demon on the chicane. Like also I say, oh, I'm so lucky because maybe normally that's you crash the car. And I say, maybe it's the day. Now I need to push and we'll see what's going on to the end. This for one thing I'm lucky because for me, Damon and Jean have the car to win the race. Uh, Damon blew up the engine badly for him. And Jean hit the barrier and I hit the suspension. And yeah, I mean, sometimes you need luck, but I think the race, it was not a lucky race. I pushed myself on the maximum and the car on the maximum to achieve that. 
bad luck is not all the time, but sometimes one day you have luck or one day you have bad luck. And this day, this day is wise for me. You mentioned that you had a moment on Damon's oil at the chicane. But I mean, let's just think about it. Schumacher crashed out on lap one. Irvine ended up crashing out. A lazy hits the barrier. Did you have any near misses at all? No. Well, I mean, one day I, I, I remember because I was a big fan of Senna. And he said on the interview, he said, one day I feel it's not me uh, driving. It was, a, it was a goal driving. And this day I feel something. It was nothing happened to me. Nothing bad happened to me. Everything I try, it works. And when after I saw the race again in television, and when I saw my car sometime on some position, I say, well, it's not you you're doing this because all the time, every corner, you, you're close to crash. Even that surprised me. I mean, but in the moment of when I was on the car, I feel it's nothing, nothing happened to me. I feel so confident when I say, look, the way I'm lucky today, for sure, I, I finished on the podium. Was that the only time in your career that you felt like that in a racing car? No, it was the second time. The, the time it was before in the Formula C Tyson in Nürburgring, it was in, uh, <laughs> in uh, qualifying. Uh, I start with the first set of tires and I feel so good with the car, so quick and so confident, but easy. I said to my engineer, I say, look, or I one second in front of everybody, or we are last. Because for me, everything was so easy. And he, he just answered me and said, yeah, he's, he, you're right. You are one second point two in front of everybody. And this feeling I felt sometime two or three times in my career. But I, I dream to have this feeling all the time, to be honest. And I want to dream to winning more races. But when i looking back of this, I'm still lucky to win Monaco anyway. Is it that feeling of invincibility in a car that every driver strives for every time they get in the car? Yes. I think if one driver, like, I don't know, because in F1 is very, you know, so difficult when you don't have the car to win, you be, even if you're the best driver, you don't win. This is, uh, for me, is the key. But if you have the best car, and you are confident all the time, like what I said before to you, when you go into the car, for sure you're invincible. What I saw today with Lewis, for sure is one of the best drivers in the world, but with the confidence he had, with the team he had, for me, this guy is just unbelievable. Everything he's doing or everything he tried to achieve, he work. And when he don't feel he have the car to win the race, in order to be second, in order to be third. This guy, just you feel the confidence of Lewis today, just unbelievable. When you have this feeling, nobody beat you, nobody. Just going back to Monaco, how did that win change your life? I assume you were front page of L'Equipe on the Monday morning. Was for me, it changed my life just after the race because first of all, I don't believe of that. Everything is so quick. I didn't even... Take the time to feel it. We have this big dinner, the Sunday night with uh, all the Monaco people, the Prince Renier, the all these stars, all these uh, paillettes. When you say in French, even that, I don't. I feel 
say it's not possible. It's a dream or something, you know. But when I wake up in the morning, I was already some uh, magazine people want to take the picture, blah, 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 all day long. And the Tuesday, I need to be in Barcelona to do some tests already. After that, I take time to resign and to sit down and to just thinking about it don't change much to me. It changed much or a lot to the, the regard of the people or the looking of the people when he saw me after this victory. Even on the paddock, I feel much more respect to everyone because you achieve something special. This changed a lot on my life after this race is the people talk to me or the people look at me. But it was nicely, to be honest. It was nice because the people was nice and the people, you feel the, you achieve something. But for me, it was not enough. I want, uh, if I do a Formula One and lucky to doing it, I want to be world champion. And it was not happened. Can you remember what Guy Ligier said to you? Guy Ligier said to me, thank you very much because we have a bad time with the team. I sold the team before to Cyril de Rouvre. I, 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 I rebuy the team. I mean, I think it was a hard time for Ligier because he don't want to, he don't want the name disappear. And he just enjoys so much. And for sure, uh, we have a pastis, pastis after the race, but I'm going cool. But I'm sure he was flat out until the, the Monday morning. If we fast forward to, I guess, that winter when Alain Prost got involved, uh, he bought the team. How different did the team become under Alain compared to when it was Ligier? And- I, I have a, a funny things. First of all, Guy Ligier for me is one of the guys give a chance for the old French driver by the past. This I need to, I have a huge respect of Guy. But the funny things after Monaco is when Flavio saw me and he said, it was one month afterward when he sold the team to Alain. He said, you know what? You are the driver after this victory. I gained so much money because you have this victory. You know what I mean? Because I sold to Alain. And Alain tell me, he said, you know, you are the driver cost, cost me a fortune. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was, this one, it was a very funny thing. Yeah. Because if I go back to your question, during the winter time when Alain buy the team, we are very pleased uh, because Alain is a big name in France. He have a huge support of the sponsorship in France. Everybody locked the door of Alain to be sponsor of the team. If one guy make a team in France, for sure it was just Alain. Otherwise, it doesn't work. And we are happy to have this opportunity to have a lot of budget and to have a team getting better and bigger and bigger. This was the opportunity for Ligier and for, for us, to be honest, for everybody on the team. But one thing we forget a bit is we still have the people of Benetton doing the car. For me, in 1997, it was a Benetton on Dakar, to be honest. When I saw something today, people talking about uh, espionage, all these kind of things, I'm just laughed, to be honest. But uh, it was a Benetton with uh, the chassis, I mean, we doing ourselves in Ligier, but it was all the technical point of Benetton. We put Mugen engine, was fantastic engine. And we, have to did, we decided to have Bridgestone tires. And for us, it was the best decision we can achieve because we are more or less alone and in making tires for our car. And this makes a huge difference. And if you remember well, in 1997, before my accident, I think I was P3 on the championship or P2, I don't remember. 
But the car we have this this season, it was just unbelievable. We have a car to fight on the podium every races, and we enjoy so much. Even with Alain, with all the people on the team, we enjoy so much every weekend. And after the worst season happened and the worst winter, it was the winter of 97, 98, when we making our car really in the factory. And this car, it was a disaster really. But because I think we are so much dreaming about 1997 and we feel we put the finger on something, we believe 1998, we kill everyone. But in fact, it was not the case. If I thinking backward, we have too much success very quickly in 1997 with Prost and everybody was nice, huh? enjoy so much. Everybody thinking, okay, we have Alain, we have the sponsor, now everybody is done, we're here. And in fact, when I was in a hospital and Alain go to see me and he said, you need to stay with us, Olive. Next year, his engine is a French engine, is a Peugeot engine. We make a new chassis. He was convinced himself. We make one step up again. Because on the same plan, when he's, he go to see me in the hospital in Brittany, I have to contract him on my case. He was Jordan of Prost. And he convinced me to follow him. But I'm very pleased to, because he's not forced me to doing it. I'm very pleased to follow him. I was so convinced, a French team, French driver, French engine, French boss. I believe of the dream, completely French team have a success. I make a small mistake. <laughs> but I'm part of this mistake. I give all things I have to have success with Post Grand Prix, really. Because I think it was fantastic for a French fan and also for Formula One to have like a huge country, to have a, like a... Formula One team, completely French. Fascinating. Now, I feel I've got so many questions to ask you about what you've just said. But if we go back to 1997, as you say, you were second in Spain, you were third in Brazil. The car was clearly very good. Was it the best Formula One car you ever raced, that 97 Prost? More or less, yes. After, I think, the, the Toyota car we have in 2004, it was pretty good car too. Really good car. Yeah, but in this time, yes, for sure, 1997, it was the best car I never drove before in Formula 1. Then you mentioned this as well, but you had that horrific accident at the Canadian Grand Prix. What happened? Uh, what happened, it was a wishbone felt, the rear wishbone felt, and that's all. I mean, it's part of our job. You all the time scare, not sometimes you scare about if part of the car broke and you don't manage everything. And this it was happened to me. It was one of the fast, the fast corner in the Montreal circuit and the right wishbone felt and I hit the tires and broke the two legs. And this time it was the bad time for me, maybe, for sure. But on the other hand, I was lucky to recover and go back very quickly on my passion and try to continue to doing my sport. I know after that I have some hard time because the car in 1998 was not good enough to show something. For sure, and this time I discussed with some big team before my accident because we have so much success. If so, it's Monaco 1996, 97, the season start like even me, I don't believe. And for sure, I'm talking with some big team like uh, McLaren, like uh, 
some touch with Ferrari, but you know the accident happened. And after the accident, when uh, the year after we have a bad car, it, you don't show nothing, but you know it's quite tough. And the people think maybe uh, after the accident, blah blah blah. You know, I mean, what are you talking about? And that's all. But I mean, I don't regret anything. Were you immediately aware of the extent of your injuries in Montreal? Because I was looking at some YouTube footage of the accident before speaking to you, and you do try and get out of the car. My worry is to be handicapped. My worry is to my leg doesn't move. Why I feel is more bad to compare with what I believe is why I want to feel myself try to go out of the car and feel everything. My scare was this. You maybe this accident was a big one. I saw my legs was broken because the crack and my foot I saw was bad. But what I want to be sure I'm not, I feel everything. And when I feel everything and I saw my foot, when I go try to go out of the car, I feel big pain on the left, but on the left, it was nothing much. On the right, I feel the foot was blah, blah, blah anyway. But I was uh, happy everything looks working. To be honest, it was my worry. It was I try, is why I try to, to jump out. That is Olivier Parnis. It's a big one. Olivier Parnis, a big one. His head is moving. Let's hope he's perfectly all right. But that was a very, very heavy impact indeed. How soon after the accident did you have the pins taken out? Yeah, the one hour after the hospital, one of the, the bigger chirurgians of this hospital was start to go to holidays. And when he, when he heard on the radio, a driver of Formula One have an accident and, and badly. And this guy was amazing. And he just turned and go back to the hospital. And when I saw him the first time, and he said to me, well, I'm very passionate of Formula One. When I heard this in the radio, and I don't go to holidays. I need to do something for you. And he was, he was so nice people on this hospital, Sacré Coeur. And he take extra of me to, to everything, IRM, scanner. And my first question was to him, he said, you think I go back to the car with the accident I get and with the, the bone I broke? And he said to me, if you want to do it, for sure, it's no problem. But we need to operate tonight. And we need to put one pin on the right, completely on the right leg. But if you don't pin, you don't put pin on the left, the right recover quickly to the left. He said, this is your choice. I said, my choice is to be the quickest on the car. I want to race next week. I tell him that and he laughed. And he said, no, no, this is not possible. But if we're doing well, for sure, if you work hard, you recover quickly. And I said, okay, we go for two pin. And he's why he, he, he put me two pin, uh, one pin on the left, left and one on the right to recover quicker. And how long did you have the pins in your leg? If I tell you, you say I'm crazy, but I know sometimes I'm crazy. He said to me, the first table, when I go back after three months in the Formula car, <laughs> on the Formula 1, I did some tests in Formula C, uh, in Formula 3 one week before. And I feel a vibration and pain, to be honest. And when I go back to the, 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 the F1 in Manico, Alain was there, everybody was there to say, Olive, don't take any risk, blah, blah, blah. In my mind, I say, look, after the second lap, if the first corner I don't pass flat, 
For me, Formula One is finished. It's mean I'm, I'm scared. When I passed flat, I was happy. And Alain take the radio. He said, Olive, you need to pit now. I say, why? You need to pit now. It's too dangerous. You're crazy, blah, blah, blah. And I don't pit for sure, like, like usual. And I did three, four laps just to enjoy myself. And the point is, and this time, I don't have enough, enough, enough power to break with one foot. And somebody know about this. And I just jump out of the car. I have uh, already still the, I don't know the name. The, you, the crutches. The yeah, crutches. And I go directly to the technical director, was Loic Bigua. I say, Loic, for the next race, I need large pedal to break with two foot because I don't enough power. But don't tell nobody about it. And Alan was pissed off with me because he said, no, no, you push too much. You know, you have, uh, you still have the, the, the crunches. You need to be, be careful. Okay, now you know everything going well. And anyway, and I said to Loic, and I call him on Monday again, and I say, you, you prepare the pedal? He said, yes, I, I, I do it. I design and I make it for you. But I said, don't tell Alan, don't tell nobody, just the mechanics. And in Nürburgring, I have this pedal. It was unbelievable for me. And I did uh, the best lap time on the free practice and I qualified, I finished six on the race. And this pedal for me changed my life. And when we take out of the pedal on the car, when I recover of my, of my muscle, I still have the pedal. <laughs> <laughs> because I racing for one year and a half with the pin. It was very dangerous if I have... Again, big accident, but it was the risk. I mean, when the doctor said to me, if you have accident with that, it's finished. I say, well, okay, I understood, but for me, I feel good with the pin. I, I, I run, I, I jump and okay, it's painful every morning, but you know, I mean, we'll see. The last race was in Brazil in 1998. And then I, I have a big crash in a warm up, but big eh? because it was wet. But the line is going dry up and I, I was P3 on warm up and I won't push. I push because it was so long time. I was not on top of the list and I touched the curb, was wet. I span and I hit the barrier like, like you don't believe, man. And I smack like a seven spin. I saw a star on my, <laughs> on my eye and I said, my legs, well, what happened with my leg? I'm looking my monocoque. Everything was disappeared in front of my foot. Everything. I don't touch anything with my leg and I, I don't have any pain. Just the pain I get, I get it was I take 12G on the ass. For one week, I don't sit. I was so happy to my legs don't touch anything. I want to take out my pin by the same doctor Putin. I fly back to Canada. He take my pin out and I stay one week in Canada. And after that, I go back to France without everything. I feel he out of me something like I don't believe. Like, oh, I feel so, I feel free when he take out this pin. Do you think you were quicker without the pin than you were when you, were, when you had it in? No. No. To be honest, when I, when I drive, when I'm racing, I don't even thinking about the pin. I say I have a stronger leg now. I know I have something, if I have a crash, it's bad. But, you know, what I do is my dream. is uh, It's part of me racing and, you know, I don't even thinking about the pin. When it wasn't working at Pros Grand Prix in 98 and 99, how did that affect your relationship with Alain? It affected a bit 
1999 it was much better to 1998 and we you know even the last race in Japan I fight with Eddie for the third position 1999 it was a good season for me when we saw where we start 1998 it was hard because we scored just one point with Yarno in Spa when everybody after the big crash we have in Spa if you remember this big crash with David and all these kind of people <laughs> difficult to say. I, I was a people push hard to have success. And I think even if you compete with somebody, all this team was my friend because I start with them. All of them was my friend and I want to have success with them too. With Alain, sometimes we, are, we have some, we argue. I argue much because I'm not happy with the situation and, and with the, the choice it takes some time. Was it hard to argue with him? Was he one of your one of your heroes growing up? Yeah, he was. He was my hero. Uh, him and Senna for me was my uh, two driver for sure. Is uh, I dreamed to to be like them one day. But it's not because you are four time world champion. You are a good team principal or a good manager. I love Alain. I have a huge respect of Alain. And I think when he takes this post, it's quite hard for him also to take decisions sometimes. Because when you never do that before, I think it's hard. You need to be, to have a people around you who will be really straightforward with you and also help you to learn your new job. I don't want to criticize Alain about this situation. When he, he chose to buy the team and to be the team principal, you need to learn in six months something you never do before. Even if you are working with the big team you're working before, when you are a driver, you are, a dri you are a driver. You are not team principal or not uh, uh, director sportif. You need to learn this job. And I think everybody on the team, because we have Alain Prost, for sure, we have winning car and we kill everyone. And one day, everybody realized like, he need time. Alain need time, we need time, we need to making our experience, we need making our cars. And some choice Alain take and the technical people take because he want to be better to everyone, take some decision and technical decision was very bad. And we pay, everybody pay for this, even Alain. I like Alain and we still have very good relationship with Alain. We're really good. But I never want to work again with him. If you don't take the decision, you need to believe of the people trust you. If you want just to believe of the people to make you happy, but he lie of you, but he make you happy, you're happy. I don't work like this. And I think Alan understand very much many things after. In July 1999, he called me and he said, I want to have a meeting with you, Olive, to talking about 2000. I say, yeah, Alan, no problem. I'm going to Paris. We sit down together. And he said, Olive, I need to change a lot of things. You want to stay next year or not? I said, Alain, you know, it was really tough two years for me after my accident. I recover. I do my best for the team. I try to do my best. But sometimes I don't think so. You listen to me or, or you don't trust me 100%. I think for both of us, maybe we need to change something. He said to me, okay, Olive, I understand your point, but I just employ uh, Alan Jenkins like a director technical for next year. 
we change everything, we do a new cars, blah, blah, blah. And I, he said, please, just make a dinner with Alan Jenkins and after you decide. I make the dinner with Alan Jenkins. I have big respect of him because the car he did by the past was good. When he explained to me on the dinner, the French people is not good enough. The car we make in 1999 finished maybe in the podium in Suzuka. I respect Alan Jenkins. I say, maybe you're right, Alan, but for me, I don't have enough power to restart everything to zero. I need to know who I am and I need maybe to move and to go into different team to learn different things. And the morning, morning after the dinner I have with um, Alan, Alan called me and he said, Olive, what do you think? I say, well, Alan, I think you make a good choice maybe with uh, Alan Jenkins, but I, I don't have enough power to restart everything to zero. I think we need to stop or to, to take different way. And, you know, maybe one day we, we start to work again. But I don't feel good about uh, 2000. Uh, I don't want to invest myself with something I don't trust. And it's why we decide, I say, for me, I don't want to stay. In. I don't say where I'm going. I have no idea. You really had no idea. So, so you turned down a race drive with Prost, not knowing what your plans were. No, I, I, was, I have no plan. I likely, I have two good managers. It was Keke Rosberg and Didier Coton. I was very pleased to work with them. But when I tell Keke and Didier about my decision, he said, but Olive, you are crazy or what? We have nothing out. I say, well, you know, sometimes you need to be clear with the people. I know it's pain. Maybe I don't draw Formula One hereafter, but okay, it's the chance maybe I get to change my view of my career, you know? And, and we start talking in Monaco. We have two, three meetings in Monaco to thinking about IndyCar, Formula One, uh, even DTM, different things. And it was funny because it's nothing happened, turned for Formula One. We have a Big phone call to America, to Pat Patrick Racing and to Ford official. And he said, I want to meet you and with your manager because I want to propose to you a contract to come to America for IndyCar. I said, well, I need, you need to speak with my manager, call KK. If you agree to have a meeting together, okay, I come, no problem. And we have a meeting in Cannes with the boss of Pat Patrick Racing and uh, Bob Iral. He was Ford, uh, the boss of Ford. And we discuss about the contract and we find a solution and we check in and say, okay, we do it. I say, but we do it. I just want to close on my contract. And KK and Didi ask, if we have a proposal of Formula One, we stay in Formula One. And he accepts. We're making the contract. We send the contract. And for my, my mind, my head, I'm going to America. And, and you were happy with the ovals, no, particularly after no, your... No, 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 I'm not happy with the oval. I'm uh, shit myself, to be honest. <laughs> but you thought, this is what I have to do. I, I need to drive anyway. I'm here to, to racing. And also, and this time I saw it was a lot of uh, street circuit. And I'm not too bad on this, this situation. And I say, for sure, the oval it was, huh, was hard. But I have, I have no choice, to be honest. And I say, okay, go for it. And we have, uh, I think it was the contract. We have uh, two months if we have something in Formula One or, or I go there anyway. And one day I was at home and thinking, thinking. And I called Didier and KK and I said, I have idea. I have one idea. 
I say, okay, we listen to you. Because you're a good friend with Ron Dennis and Noberhog, I have idea. Why you don't call them and you ask them if you don't need a third driver and test driver to continue to, because in this time, you know, you have two test team, you have is a huge, huge works and huge, huge many days for a test driver. And <laughs> KK answered to me, say, you drink something? I say, well, no. <laughs> you mad? Or you completely crazy or what? I, I say, KK, just thinking about this. And Didier, please thinking about this. And Didier called me and he said, okay, I'll call Martin Richmarch and, and talk about this. Maybe it's, when I'm thinking, is maybe not bad idea. And he called Martin Richmarch and uh, the, the call back to Didier, he said, well, Martin is, is thinking, I think it's a good idea. And he spoke with Adrian Newe and Adrian Newe said, for sure, we need to do it. I need to have one driver out of the race weekend to give me the true things and just concentrate for the test. And after we spoke with Martin, he quite happy with that, but Ron, he don't want. Ron Denis said, I want to do to have Olive in board, but I feel bad to give a, a seat of test driver and third driver with a guy win a race, win a Monaco, win some race and do some podium. I feel bad to propose that to him. And Didier and KK said, you know, you need to call Ron and to, to say it for you is, uh, is okay, no problem. I call Ron, I say, Ron, I don't speak well in this time, even I speak very bad, but I say, Ron, don't worry about I'm a winning driver in Formula One. I want to know who I am and I want to know to drive the best car in the world. You give me a present for me if you accept to doing this together. <laughs> and he said, okay, let me thinking and go next Monday to the factory and we talk. And the history come like this. And I met Ron Dennis on Monday afterwards with Didier and Keke. And uh, met Noberhog, Adrian Newey, Martin Richmart. We have a big meeting. And I just introduced myself and explained why I want to do this. In the end, everybody was happy. But what about the prospect of not racing, Olivier? Did that frighten you in any way? I'd make a big risk to decide to doing it because if KK and Didier told me, if Mika and, and David, uh, when we test together, is once again in front of me, I did. But I said, look, I don't really care about this. They, they won't be. They won't no, be. No, <laughs> I don't say that, really. I don't say that. I say, well, it's a risk, Didier. But I can take the risk because I want to know what is my real potential on the, on the best car. I want to work with this team at all. Don't I take the risk. And I call uh, Ron and I say, I agree. Uh, I want to doing it. And he said, okay, this is what I propose to you and the salary I propose to you. And when he talked to me about salary, I say, you know, we, just the salary you give to me already respect me. Because <laughs> I don't know why Ron, he feel bad about this, but, <laughs> but he paid me very well to do this was to doing this job, uh, to be honest. And I said, is maybe I, I make a, a way also from afterward for different drivers to doing this job because it was very important job for uh, Adrian Newey. And luckily, we have a very big success this 2000 season. First of all, I have so good relationship with Newey and all the team. I love this team because outside you feel this team is very cold. 
it was I, I I'm scared to be honest before I came to to them, but inside it was so nice team. I enjoy so much really. What was the biggest difference between McLaren and Prost? If there's one thing you could pick out, what I pick out, I know exact. Everybody know exactly the place of them. It means the director technical is the director technical. The chief mechanic is the chief mechanic. Nobody argue. Everybody know what they need to do. This for me was the big difference. No complaint. No bullshit. Just working, working with a good audience. For me, it was the big difference. And also I need to, to tell, because I love the people who uh, was in, in Prost and Ligier. I love them. But also to have the best car, it changed a lot of things, Tom. A lot of things. It means when you know you have one of the best cars and you know every weekend you go to racing and you have the opportunity to win. When you know you go to for the race and maybe you fight for the top 10, the motivation is not the same. How frustrating did it get not being able to race that car? I mean, let's cast our, our minds back to last year when George Russell got into Lewis Hamilton's car at the Sakir Grand Prix, very nearly won it. And, and do you feel that you could have put on that kind of performance in the McLaren in 2000? When I did the test with Mika and David, all the time, first of all, I want to thank them because it gave me a fantastic welcome, Mika and David. And it trusts me a lot. Even though uh, one day we are on the, which Budapest, I think, and we have a meeting with me, Mika and Ron Dennis, because Mika don't want to test anymore. He said, we test too much. I test too much. I'm tired. I want to be concentrated on my race weekend because it's where we score points. And the argue we beat him and Ron, it was hard. Eh? And Mika said, look, we try something. Olive prepare, do the test in Valencia. He prepares spa for me. I don't test in Valencia. I take rest. I recover uh, my body to be very strong in spa. He prepared the race in spa for me. Uh, on, my, on, my, on my head, I just listen. I say, wow, he put a lot of pressure off me. Anyway, we go to Valencia. We're making the job with Adrian, with David, test a lot. I say sometimes to David, David, you test too much because they win it. David tests all the time with me, all the time. Mika, he tests sometimes one, one day, two days. But David, he wants to test. He wants to try. Even. I love them, both of them anyway. And arrive in Spa. We sit down. I mean, we start the weekend. He makes the best lap time in free practice. He do. All the free practice, he was the best lamp time. He do the pole position. He won the race and with the lap record. And I remember all my life this. When he go out of the car, he saw Ron, he said, you know, I tell you, well, if I'm fresh and Olive prepared the car for me, we win the race. I don't want to test anymore. <laughs> and what is, was the funny every day is because Ron said, yeah. tell them he need to test, he need to test. <laughs> and Ron and Mika said, well, I don't need to test. Look, you know, he work. That's the proof. Uh, it was so funny. It was so funny because the ambience of the team, it was so good. But this year, I did 28,000 kilometers test on the car. I know the car, it was my home, really. And for sure, my dream, he want to race for McLaren one day, like a titular drivers. And we have a long talk with Ron and Norbert about this because Ron want to keep me for a second here, like a test driver again. 
And I say, Ron, I love to continue with you, but my blood, he want to race. What I know after, I decide to don't continue with McLaren to be a test driver and third drivers. I want to racing again. He put a clause on my contract. He leave me if I go to the top five team in the championship. Because he said, no, no. With the quality you have and what you achieve for us, if it's not that, you don't move, you stay here. And when Greg Pollock called me and Jack Villeneuve to propose to me to go to BIR, he was P5 on the championship. I say, oh, likely, again, I'm lucky. And when I announced to Ron, I want to sign to BIR, and he said, okay, it's the deal. You're on the, on the top five car on the championship. Okay, if you want to leave, you leave. I feel sad, but um, we're happy for what we achieved together, blah, blah, blah. He was so nice with me. But when I said to, if I go back to 1999, when I call on, I say, okay, I'm doing with you. Listen that. This was the, the worst things in my life. I said, you give me your, uh, your parole, you, we sign together. Ron asked me that. I said, yeah, it's done. One day after, Frank Williams called me. And he called me, said, I Olive is Frank Williams, blah, blah, blah. We start to talking and he said, look, I have a proposal to you. Ah, I say, yes, thank you. Uh, what is the proposal? I give you one year contract like a titular drivers and with one year option for the second year to race for Williams. In 2000? In 2000. When I say yes to Ron one day before, I call Didi and KK. I said, well, you know, this is what happened. And Frank Williams said to me, okay, you have uh, 24 hours to decide because we very convinced we have a good car next year. The question mark is because it's the new BMW engine. In terms of reliability, we don't know where we're going. And I, I just stopped with front. I called Didier, KK, and blah, 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 talking. And he said, ah, is the shit happened? I say, oh, look, I say yes to Ron. I don't change. I call back Frank Williams. I say, Frank, because he speaks French too. I say, I'm very sorry, but I say yes yesterday to Ron Dennis to be third driver and test driver. I say no to you. I'm sorry, but uh, if he was yesterday, for sure, uh, I say yes, but now it's too late. And Frank was not happy. And he said, ah, nobody said no to Williams. And I said, no, don't take this way. I just because I say yes to Ron, I'm people like this. When I say yes, it's yes. And it's, uh, it's when Jason Button coming. It was Youngkins coming. Uh, good luck for him and happy for him. What an extraordinary story. So True to your word, Olivier. True to your word. Yeah, it was, you know, I'm was, uh, sometimes I'm, I'm not easy man, uh, but uh, when I say yes to somebody, I say yes. Look, is my wife is next to me. Is my same wife. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you and Anne been together, Olivier? Uh, 34, 35 years. Fantastic. But I'm still reeling from this story that you turned down the 2000 Williams to go to McLaren. Uh, yeah, it was nobody know, nobody, no much people know, but even Didi and, and Keke, sometimes you need to thinking more. And I spoke with Anne also about this and I said, this is the situation, the situation, and what, what do you think about this? And she said, you know, I mean, when you say yes to somebody, you need to achieve that. And I told Ron about this while well, middle of the season 2000. And he said to me, but you're crazy or what? I said, you, you imagine? <laughs> I mean, I say, well, for me, the choice I make, it was the right choice because I compare my time and compare my works with 
the best driver in the world at this time. I drove the best car in my life. I working for the best team. I don't regret anything, really. I mean, even if Williams in 2000 did a so good job and the car was performed very well, Jason did a good job, you know. But I'm not jealous, really. I'm just saying, yeah, I mean, happy for them. Interesting, too, that you said a moment ago that Craig Pollock and Jacques Villeneuve approached you about BAR, both of them. When Greg Pollock called me and called Didier and said, uh, look, we want to have you in board for 2001 because we need to have two drivers working hard, testing a lot, make a progress for the team. And I think the season I did with McLaren, everybody saw in terms of lap time, but my input and my heart I put to McLaren to have a success with Mika and David. I think everybody know I'm, I'm working hard. I think you got more positive publicity in 2000 testing for McLaren than you would have got if you'd been second half of the grid racing. Sure. I'll never forget what said Ron Dennis, Martin Wichmarch, Adrian Newey, all of the engineers and Mika and David about me. I never forget that because it was true or not, I don't mind, but he played the game with me. When I signed with Ron, Ron said to me, when you make the test, and Adrien, Adrien confirmed that to me, you all the time have the same car to David and Mika, all the time. And not give to you the shit works. When you have the hard works to do, you do it. But during the test, one day you have the car to play and to enjoy. We've discussed the difference between Prost Grand Prix and McLaren. So what kind of team did you walk into at BAR? Was it very much Jacques Villeneuve's team? Did you feel that? No, no, no. I mean, really, I know Jack by the past. In terms of teammate, he's one of the best teammates I have during these two seasons. Really. For sure, now we are very good friends. Eh? Still very good friends. But when I came then, when I came to BIR, I have very good welcome by the old engineer, by Greg Pollock, and all the people and Honda people, because I was working with them before. Were there a lot of the same Honda people at BAR who had been at Moody? Yeah, someone. Right. It's mean, I know some people <laughs> when I come. And, uh, but Jack was very open with me. I know Jack before, but not like I never been working with him. And uh, it was funny. I mean, it was funny because I did all the winter test. I don't do it because he was, you know, uh, he was take time to recover of the season. And uh, uh, my engineer was uh, Joe Clear and David Lloyd when I made the test, of course. Both of whom are now at Ferrari, aren't they? Exactly. And he was two of them was David Lloyd. I, I was love him because and Joe, he was so big engineer. And but he was Jack engineer. It was funny because one day he called Jack. He said, Jack, I think uh, you need to come to test. And he said, oh, I mean, why? You need to come to test because uh, the, the French kids, he, he never stopped. We learn a lot of things. We achieve a lot of things. And uh, you need to come and to start to work with him and just compete and working together. And Jack came. And for sure, we work hard, me and Jack together, to build the team to improve all the, I mean, the ambience of the team was really good. The complicity of the driver and the engineer was unbelievable. And I never feel he gives more to Jacques compared to me. Never, ever. 
And how quick was Jacques Villeneuve? Jacques, he was very fast, but very special. He want to drive with a special setup. Sometimes I don't understand the way he was quick with the setup like this, but he's fast. He don't care about accident or whatever. But when you are faster to him, he respects you also. He said to me, uh, when we fight in Quali on the race, and he said, ah, you, did, you, you do a better job to me. I'm shit this weekend. He, he's like this, Jacques. He's why I love him. He's why I'm still very good friend with him. Why we meet still to meeting together. Because he's, he's like this, but he's, he's very talented. He's quite a controversial character now. His opinions are very strong. Was, I, and I guess he was like that as a driver as well about the car. Yeah, sometime. But was a funny with Jacques because I know him very well. He's working on television. Now he's a showman. He criticizes something. I'm just laugh because he's not a real Jack. Jack, he, he told you what he think. But sometimes criticize the way he criticize for me is for the show. And sometimes I send, when he, he do the commentary, I send to him text message. I said, just shut up. I mean, what you talking? What is shit you talking about? And, and we have fun together because I just said, look, stop it. You don't need this controversy sometimes. But he just sent to me a smiley and, you know, I mean, he's a jack. I mean, but, you know, when you hear what he said on television and what he's talking about, 95% is right. Sometimes he's, he's going a bit crazy or some people he don't like who he'd like. He's an intelligent man. There's no, no doubt about that. It is very much, very much. It was a frustrating end to the BAR story. 2002, so much unreliability. Did it remind you of Prost in certain ways, the way it ended? No, not because it was different, different things. When Greg Pollott was sacked, I feel it was not the right choice for the team and for the view we have with Jacques for the future of the team. When this change, for me, was already thinking of my uh, future because I know Greg quite well. I know Jacques quite well. I know all the, the team quite well. And I think we built something to have a success one day. And I, I trust this, this situation. And uh, when the team principal changed to um, David Richards. So this was the winter of 2001, 2002, wasn't it? December. Yes. I have a meeting with David Richards. Nice meeting, to be honest. He never been in Formula One before if I'm not wrong. He came with different ideas. I don't feel good with that. And after that, start to play game with different things on the team. And the view I, I have on the BIR team and the way he's going, it was not for me. It was too much politics and too much fight between somebody in the team. Even uh, with Jacques, not our relationship was still good and even more closer because we felt about this ambience. The game some people want to play, I was not like it at all. And when we have phone call to Toyota, I go into this meeting with KK in Toyota and uh, we have with Ove Anderson and all of people of uh, Japanese people, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we have very good meeting and they want me for two, two years, firm, plus two more years. And when I know the 
Game of David, Richard, I don't trust him at this moment. I decided to send to Toyota because he just signed Jason Button. He wants to keep me and Jason. I know the contract of Jacques Villeneuve have with BIT, something he was not going well. And also because of that, I say I signed to Toyota, but I said to Didier and Keke, listen to me. We announced to him 10 minutes before the announcement because he plays something with me I don't like. I want to give back a bit of my personality. So, so is this summer 2002 we're talking? This is when you made the decision to leave BAR? Yes. I'm interested that Toyota were interested in a Honda driver, effectively. Yeah, but what he, uh, he was interesting by what I did by the past. He want a, a driver not to win a race. He want a driver working for McLaren. <laughs> of course, the best car, best team. He want a very hard worker on the test. And also, uh, I don't think so. I don't want a politics man, and I'm not. And uh, I think the discussion we have together was pretty productive, and with Ove Anderson too, and with Ange Pasquali, and this time was French director sportif. And I think he wants to make something change, and is why I think he take me and uh, Cristiano Damata came to champion of IndyCar. We have very good uh, lineup and very good relationship. And when I saw how much Toyota invest technically, financially, to have a success, it was maybe, I say, it was maybe one of the teams we have success. Were there similarities, a lot of similarities between BAR and Toyota? Both had a lot of money. Both were owned by big corporations neither of which were specialist racing companies. One was owned by a tobacco company, the other by the biggest car manufacturer in the world. Did it have a similar feel? Not really, because these two teams, it was so different. You have one big team like Bier Honda with 500 people. I came to a team, huge team, Toyota, brand new more or less. When I saw the facility uh, Toyota in Cologne, I never saw that in my life even in, in McLaren. To be honest, I just say, wow, just this for Formula One. And I said, well, with all this facility, all this money, all of the investment of the people we have, if I don't have success with that, I need to retire, to be honest. And it's what I did. But uh, I was very pleased. But it was different culture of BIR, different people, different uh, technical background. It was not the same. But I thinking about this, you feel I restart to zero to build something. This is part of my life, I think. <laughs> Did that interest you yes. to be there, yes. to, to yeah. grow the team? Because when I saw the tool, the motivation he had to get me in board and the time he want, I stayed with them to develop the team and the way he listened to me to improve everything we can, the quicker as possible to me and Cristiano and... Ange Pasquale also, I never work a team like this apart McLaren. It means we have two days meeting per week, even if we're testing, even if we're racing, just to create more and more and more to going quicker and quicker. I feel very involved of the team, even more to the drivers. And this, I like it very much. Also the technical view. So why do you think Toyota failed ultimately? 
you've already said they had the infrastructure, they had the best factory. Where did it go wrong? He's like a constructor. When he decides to stop, is the way he maybe win the championship. Because the car, the last car he make before he decided to stop, I think it was is one of the best cars I've ever seen in Formula One. And when Pedro de la Rosa did the test with Pirelli with this car, the beginning of the test, it was this Toyota, the brand new Toyota. Even Ferrari want to buy, I think. Because the laptop, no, but I'm serious. The laptop he did was just unbelievable. And the number of aerodynamic we saw, all the things we make, this car is for sure is a winning car. I don't know championship, but it sure is a winning car. Even De La Rosa, he said to me, it was it just unbelievable. So are you talking about the 2009 Toyota? Nine cars. When the brand new car go out, did some tests with Pirelli and Toyota decide to stop. But I tell you, in 2004, we already qualified on third position in Indianapolis. We score points. We have a very strong team. 2005, when I decided to stop, it was funny also because when Ove Anderson and John Owet said to me, you want to continue with us? I said, of course I want, but if we have winning car next year, he said, I don't think so. And I said that for me, it's the time to stop because, oh, I'm continue 100% focus and I win the race and championship or I need to do something else because to be in Formula One, I'm lucky to doing this for 12 years, but I want to win all the time. What Everything I do, I want to win. I have 38 year old in this time. I invest so much, me, my family, my personal human being. I want to do it again if I have a car to win. Otherwise, I say I don't feel I 100% motivate just to doing it, to doing it. And I tell, I tell him that. And I say, no, I think I decide to retire. And when I retired in Japan, Dr. Saito gave to me, uh, come to me and he said, you need to stay with us for the future. I said, well, which way? I mean, you know, it was nice of you. And first of all, he gave you my racing car like a present. I was so happy with that. And one week after, I have uh, still a phone call to Ove Anderson and John Wett. I said, I need, we need to talk to you. I need to meet you. Don't we again go, I go there. And he proposed to me to do one year reserve driver and two years uh, test driver. On my mind, I said, well, why not? What I like is to drive, to drive a car, to make uh, progress technically with the team, to help them to be better. I say, I'm sure I know I don't have promotion to China or whatever, what I did by the past. I don't, you sure I'm just doing this? He said, yeah, we promise to you just reserve drivers and test drivers. And the second year, I say, I don't want to be reserve driver to fly over the world. I did enough. I just want to be test driver. And he gave me a very good contract and put me in the team even more technically with, uh, with the old engineer and everything. I enjoy very much. You know what I like is to drive a car. I love Formula One. It's part of me. I enjoy so much. I don't regret any choice. I was lucky to do this, this job. If I'm here today, happy with family, and my life is, is because it's Formula One. And this, I don't forget. What lovely words. couple of other things. Who was the best teammate? you ever had you talked at length about Jacques Villeneuve but I mean obviously I mean you, you did races with Johnny Herbert with Martin Brundle obviously Yano Trulli you did a lot of time with 
Luckily, the first year I have fantastic teammate. He was Eric Bernard, French guy. You both finished on the podium in Hockenheim. That was uh, amazing. But I never have a teammate give to me so much advice when I come to Formula One. This guy was just amazing. Even if I against him, he was unbelievable to help me all the time. And I love to work with Jarno Trulli. For me, in qualifying in one lap, I think he's one of the quicker guys I've ever seen in my life. In qualifying lap, this guy was just amazing. But to be honest, to complete works with a teammate, it was Jacques Villeneuve. How much would you like to test a modern Formula One car? How much would you like to test the 2020 Mercedes? I love to test. I don't think so. It's physically I manage doing it. But uh, <laughs> How's your neck these days? <laughs> I, my neck is good. But after the, the test, I think after two laps, it's disappeared. But... Uh, <laughs> No, I, I mean, I'm still racing after I'm racing again. I love racing, but, you know, I'm turned 55 this year. For sure, if you give somebody give me a, a test just to enjoy, for sure I'm doing it because I love this. And I want to know what is the new Formula One because when I have the time I, I, I have, or me and Jacques, we have, it was so exciting. I don't know if it's the same exciting car we have before. I have no idea. I don't want to argue about this. But yeah, if somebody say to me you want to test, for sure I'll do it. Olivier, thank you so much for your time. It's been wonderful to catch up. Really good to see you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. How fantastic to hear from Olivier again. I always felt he was underrated as a driver and feel he certainly deserved to win more than one race. But he has such a great perspective on racing, and I loved his descriptions of working with Alain Prost, Flavio Briatori, and Ron Dennis. And I still can't believe he turned down that 2000 drive with Williams. What might have been Monsieur Penny? Olivier, many thanks for your time. It was great to catch up again. And if you're coming to Monaco this week, I look forward to seeing you there. Before we move on, as ever, please remember to send in any stories or chance meetings or thoughts that you have on Olivier. And remember, I'll read the best ones next week. Send them to me at Tom Clarkson F1 or use the hashtag F1 Beyond the Grid. And if you like all things Monaco, stay tuned at the very end of the show for a special teaser. Which brings me on to what you sent in about Roman Grosjean after last week's show. And by the way, how great was it to see him on pole at the Indy Grand Prix over the weekend and finishing on the podium? Back where you belong, Roman. Christian Svensson sent in this message. Thank you, Tom and Roman. I listened to the pod while on a run and couldn't hold back my tears. I'm, like Roman, a father of three, and Roman's story has made me appreciate life just a little more. Couldn't be happier for him when he grabbed a pole and a podium in IndyCar. Well said, Christian. Roman is an inspiration to us all. Richard Ocock added this. Remarkable podcast, Tom. Roman is pure inspiration. Developing one of the most amazing motor racing careers. Here's to many more decades up front. Here, here, Richard. I think Roman wishes he were racing at the Indy 500 this year, don't you? I think we need to watch that space for 2022. And Cocky thinks this. Great interview. Roman has gone from F1 driver to world-class philosopher. Loved his insight about driving and life. Just as I finished listening to the podcast, he got his first IndyCar poll. What a thrill. It was indeed a thrill for everyone who's followed his career, Cocky. 
Thanks, everybody, for sending in your messages. And as ever, we got loads. And I'm sorry I couldn't read them all out. But please remember that I read each and every one of them. Well, that's it for this week. I hope you've enjoyed hearing from Olivier again. And remember to send in your thoughts and stories. And as ever, I'll be back next week with another great guest from the world of Formula One. So see you then. Beyond the Grid is produced by F1 in association with Audioboom. Until next time, keep it flat out.